Bikini Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us on the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. Today, we do not have a guest for you. We have a little bit of a mix, a mix of my testimony and a mix of some tools to help you. So since you are already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a topic that I've been covering quite a bit this year on my Instagram interviews, and I've covered it a couple times on the podcast, and I do have some upcoming guests that we are going to speak on their experiences. But I wanted to touch on not only my experiences, but also on some tips and tools on how you can discover if you are connected to a narcissist. And I wanted to cover this because I believe that the term narcissist is overused and misunderstood. And a lot of people will be out labeling someone as a narcissist just because that person may be a little bit into themselves. But there is actually, um, you know, people with narcissistic personality disorder that are causing a lot of pain and turmoil. And I wanted to basically break down the narcissist, narcissistic relationships and give you guys some things to look out for because I didn't have the guidance when I needed it and I wasn't able to understand the red flags when I was seeing them. They may have been there, but I wasn't aware that they were red flags until I spent this past year doing some healing, a whole lot of healing, and understanding their behaviors and their characteristics. And now I can spot them quite easily. So let's jump right in. What is a narcissist? By definition, it's a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. But someone with narcissistic personality disorder, which um, I may refer to as NPD, it's a personality disorder with a long-term pattern of abnormal behavior characterized by exaggerated feelings of self-importance, excessive need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. And I want to emphasize the lack of empathy part because we're going to come back to that. So I've been asked, you know, how do they come to be? What makes a person a narcissist? And according to one theory, Narcissism is a defense mechanism that's been developed by the brain of a person who got severely hurt. So the main purpose of narcissism 
in, you know, a case like that is to prevent further hurt of their ego by an exaggerated self-worth and devaluing all of those who put that person down. So that can come from childhood trauma. Now, here's the thing. Childhood trauma can lead to codependence. So a neurotic need for affection. Childhood trauma can lead to avoidance, a neurotic need to restrict, to be independent, separate, and avoid intimacy. And childhood trauma can lead to narcissism. So a neurotic need for power, control, prestige, and admiration. There are different types of narcissists. And it's not just someone on the surface that seems very into themselves that you would be easy to recognize these traits. So there's three distinctive types of narcissist. One, there's the exhibitionist or grandiose. So that's the narcissist that has that look at me, you know, mindset that children often have. There is the closet or covert narcissist and they want to be special but they're conflicted about it. So like exhibitionists or um, closet narcissists also feel incredibly entitled, but they are also much more insecure. So a, cl- a, a closet narcissist doesn't say, I am special. They point to something else, whether it be a person, a religion, a book, a designer, um, special things that they are associated with to make them feel special. And then you have the toxic or malignant narcissist, which is the most dangerous of them all. And they take things a step further. Not only do they want the attention, but they also want everyone else to feel inferior. So they tend to be sadistic and enjoy hurting other people and thriving on their fear. A toxic narcissist is like, If you think of the fairy tale Snow White, the evil queen in Snow White. So when she says to the mirror, um, you know, mirror, mirror of them all who, you know, who's the fear, sorry, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. When the mirror says Snow White is prettier than her, she decides she needs to kill Snow White and keep her heart in a box. So toxic narcissists find it entertaining to set people up and to watch them fail. I want you to think about relationships around you because there are people who have narcissistic parents. There are people who have had narcissistic partners, relationship partners. There are people who have narcissistic bosses or people who have narcissistic children. So I'm going to give you some traits to look out for. There are some signs, um, you know, that are very typical with narcissists. If someone expresses five of these nine traits that I'm giving you, basically they have narcissistic personality disorder. And the thing is, because narcissists will not um, go to therapy to get themselves help because they truly believe that there is nothing wrong with them, it's hard for doctors or therapists to diagnose someone with narcissistic personality disorder. It's usually the people who are closest to them that see that side of them because they have a huge need to be admired. So they want to look good on the outside. 
So the outside world may see them as very charismatic and charming and these wonderful people, but on the inside, the people who are closest to them, whether the people they live with or that love them or their children, will see the um, the toxic side of them and, and those traits. So I want to give you some traits to look out for so that you can determine whether or not you are connected to a narcissist. So one of the traits, and mind you, they, they have to express five of the nine traits to have narcissistic personality disorder. So one of the traits is a narcissist has an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Number two, a narcissist believes they are special or unique. Number three, a narcissist requires excessive admiration. Number four, a narcissist has a sense of entitlement. Number five, a narcissist lacks empathy. Number six, a narcissist is envious of others and believes that others are envious of them. Number seven, a narcissist behaves in an arrogant or haughty manner. Number eight, a narcissist is preoccupied with fantasies of success and or the perfect mate. And number nine, a narcissist takes advantage of others. So of those nine nine traits, if you think, and mind you, (laughs) it is 2021, we've got social media, we've got selfies, we've got all these things. So everyone may possess some traits of narcissism, but that doesn't automatically make you someone who has narcissistic personality disorder. It's usually if they possess five or more of the nine traits where you can look at them in that light. So I want you, if you are thinking of someone that may be around you that you're like, "Mm, I think that person is actually a narcissist, check off if they have five of those nine traits. Narcissists, you know, people will say, well, why do they, why do they want to hurt others? Why is it that they have this sadistic need to hurt other people? They may not always want to hurt their loved ones. Their unstable emotional state, as well as their extreme care for their self-esteem, um, it triggers aggressiveness within their flaws when it's exposed. So if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you have to be very careful not to cross that line. A narcissist will often blame others when in an undesirable situation. So they have a huge tendency to lie and to manipulate, like their level of lying is just out of this world, but they genuinely believe that they're doing that to defend themselves. So they they don't take responsibility for, you know, their faulty decisions that they've committed For a narcissist, the person that needed to be punished is you. The blame is on you and you alone. In their minds, they truly believe they didn't do anything wrong. So this is where it can become quite dangerous because they, you know, love to tell stories and lies and they may be telling other people lies about you, but blaming you for everything. Everything is your fault and yours alone. So the worst part about having narcissist in um, relationships is that they don't feel bad whenever they hurt their partner. Therefore, every action they do, they feel right and justified. So remember when I mentioned at the beginning, they lack empathy. 
it's almost like a part of their brain. And I, I do believe based on some research that I've done, there's a part of their brain that hasn't developed fully in order for them to feel empathy. So they can't feel bad for their actions. And they're kind of hot and cold. So if you do something wrong, it's not that they see you as a good person that did something wrong. You automatically become a bad person. So I have personally experienced more than once narc abuse, narcissistic abuse, you know, being in a relationship with someone who is abusing you psychologically, emotionally, sometimes physically, you know, financially, there's, there's so many levels to narc abuse. So what is narc abuse? If you date a narcissist, chances are that they saw you as a worthy target. So they then love bombed you. And, you know, they, they show you excessive love and attention and all the things that they know that you desire. Um, so they love bomb you into thinking that they are your perfect match. They are basically mirroring you. So every relationship that the narcissist gets into will be extremely different, although it's the same person, because they are mirroring the qualities of that person. You you almost believe that you've fallen in love, like this person is perfect because you've fallen in love with someone who is just like you. It's your perfect match. So they they target strong, successful people and they prey on them, partly because they like a challenge and partly because it makes them look good. So when they start breaking down your spirit, that's where things become abusive because once they have love bombed you and they've sucked you in with, you know, all of the love and attention and make you believe and put your trust in them too quickly, then they start to gaslight you. And this gaslighting, um, you know, abusive mental behavior, it's, it is, I don't even have the words right now. Um, it Even speaking on this topic can be uh, triggering for me at times. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much having some flashbacks right now, but I'm going to get through this episode. So after they've gaslighted you, they will basically discard you suddenly and brutally. So it's almost like they have no more use for you. So they've love bombed you. They've then made you feel like you're crazy and everything that they say is right and you're totally wrong. And then they get rid of you. You know, some people will ghost you and some people will break up with you abruptly and you have no idea why. Um, some will get physical before they leave. Uh, there, there's many different ways um, about it. But when they realize that the person they're with is human, with faults and imperfections, that's it, they're done. So they sought you out because of your strong qualities and you, you being successful and, you know, most likely an empath, they mirrored those behaviors and those qualities. And then when you start to show that you're an actual human being, they are done with you. They move on to their next mark, leaving you basically confused and heartbroken. So there's four phases um, with narcissists that they go through in every relationship. So they basically leave a trail of, of broken hearts behind them. 
and they will most likely blame the other person. So completely, uh, they are the victim in every situation. You know, they, they will have a trail of crazy exes. They will blame everybody else. There is nothing wrong with them. Um, so they, they start out with the idealization phase and that's where the love bombing comes in. And that's where, you know, they get you to believe in the idea of this perfect relationship and they will future fake where they will, you know, promise you to marry you. And, you know, they'll continue to talk about the future that you're going to have together and get you to buy into this vision of probably your fantasy, your fairy tale of what you've always wanted. In some cases, you know, I red flag, (laughs) this sounds too good to be true. And then the next phase is the transition phase where they start to break your boundaries Um, and they've, you know, they've gaslit you within that, that phase. And then they have possibly already at that phase met their new source of supply, the new person who is going to feed their needs. And then there's the devaluation phase where they will constantly criticize you and they'll be cruel. And sometimes they'll have what's called narc rage where they have these outbursts that are completely shocking because, you know, they were so nice to you and so charming in the beginning. And all of a sudden they are being cruel and then they'll just discard you. So that's where the ghosting comes in. And that's, that is basically a shock to your system, especially if you're someone who has experienced or is dealing with or struggling with abandonment issues and rejection issues, because that basically them discarding you tells your brain that you are not worthy. You know, that there's, there's, you have no, no value. So they use that basically to break you down even further. And sometimes they will kind of, you know, they'll, they'll hoover with it. They, they will keep an eye on you and what you're doing and they will try to suck you back in. And if you ever forgive a narcissist, when they suck you back in, the cycle starts all over again. The idealization, the transition, the devaluation, and then the discarding. So you don't want to get caught in that cycle with them because each time you go into the cycle, things get worse and worse and worse. So there are some common tactics or things that narcissists use to hurt their victims. They have a lot of similarities, which is why a lot of the interviews that I've been doing on my Instagram lives, anyone that has shared their experience, whether they are male or female, the characteristics of the narc are exactly the same. So I spoke earlier about love bombing. So a love bomb refers to the form of emotional manipulation in which a person, often a narcissist, will bomb you with X amount of love and affection and flattery and gifts and praise early in the relationship in order to win over your attention for the purpose of being able to control you because they basically blinded you with the love bombing. So you trust them quickly. You've let them in quickly. You let your guard down quickly. You know, they, <laughs> they say narcissists are usually quick to jump into relationships. They are, you know, quick to move in together. They are love bombing you to the point where they've, they've blinded you. 
Another tactic is gaslighting. And that comes from actually a film back in the day called Gaslight, where the husband was trying to make the wife feel like she was going crazy. So he would do things to make her feel that way. So gaslighting is a tactic in which a person, um, in order to gain more power, makes a victim question their reality, sabotaging other relationships, lying, manipulating. Um, you know, for example, one of the ways that I was gaslit is I could say I have a hundred dollars cash on the dresser and either the entire hundred dollars goes missing or a portion of that money goes missing. And I will say to myself, I could have sworn I left a hundred dollars on here. And I could say, babe, did, did you, did, you know, touch the $20 that was on the dresser? Did you see the $20 in the dresser? And the narcissist will say, no, there was never $20 on the dresser. Nope. Never saw $20 in the dresser. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's almost like they will convince you that that money was never on the dresser. So having that done to you over and over and over again, psychologically will mess with your mind and make you feel like you are going crazy. Uh, another common trait of narcissists is stonewalling. And it's basically the silent treatment. So both the silent treatment and ghosting relate to withholding information to exercise power and control over you. It's a form of emotional and psychological abuse. The silent treatment, you know, it can run for hours, days, weeks, sometimes months. However, they will go for as long as it takes you to learn your lesson and amp up provision of supply. So, for example, I had an ex that if he was upset with me, he would give me the silent treatment in the house. We lived in the same household. And he could ignore me for days, walk past me, sleep in the same bed, and act like I, I don't exist. So that stonewalling is to get me to apologize, to get me to say, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't like this tension. I'll just, you know, do whatever makes him happy. So it's, it's a form of control. And then ghosting is a strategy used to discard you when the narcissist decides your supply no longer meets their needs. It makes you feel like you have no value. So just as the name suggests, ghosting, it's a disappearing act. They do it suddenly and they don't explain. So it's, you feel like your existence is basically deleted from theirs. An example of this is I had a partner that I lived with and without a conversation, I wasn't home and this person moved out. We had a disagreement. It wasn't an argument. I wasn't yelling. Like, And they moved out while I wasn't home. <laughs> Deleted me from social media. Like, ghosted. Another common trait is um, they will use word salads. So it's a type of narcissistic speech that is purposely confusing. <laughs> They try to confuse you. You know, sometimes they're, they can be pretty, pretty articulate in getting their point across. And then all of a sudden they're mixing up your words or, you know, using these long sentences that you're like, hold on a second. I, I'm not, I'm not sure I understand. And when you ask for clarification, it's almost like an offense. You've committed an offense. So they will use the word salad to confuse you. Another tactic of a narcissist is the blaming 
projecting or reflecting. So what they accuse others of is actually an unconscious admission of their own character. Um, another trait is entitlement with no gratitude. Mind you, I can, I can tell you, it doesn't feel good. Um, <laughs> entitlement with no gratitude. An example that I can give you is uh, I had an ex that had lost their source of income. I thought I was being the good girlfriend and, you know, taking care of our financials until they got back on their feet. And we would have to go out in public and, you know, men have a bit of an ego and I'm not trying to destroy or demasculate him because he didn't have any income. So I would give him my bank card to put in his pocket so that if we were out with others and he need to get the check, it would look like it was coming from him instead of me. And, you know, that was me trying to basically stroke his ego, <laughs> but to support because I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought I was being a good partner and there was never any thank you ever. There was never any thank you for me taking care of the bill constantly. There was, there was no gratitude. So another character trait of a narcissist is what's called data mining. So they ask you deep questions, discovering what makes you tick. And then they use that against you later. So maybe in the love bombing phase, you got really vulnerable and shared things with them about your childhood or about your past, but in an argument that will be thrown in your face. Um, there's a, another term, you know, in the community um, that speaks about narcissist and narcissistic personality disorder. That's uh, it's called flying monkeys. So it may consist of, spying, spreading gossip, threatening, um, you know, painting the narcissist as the victim or, you know, them victim playing and the target as the predator. So victim blaming. Um, so they have, I think it comes from the, the wizard of Oz <laughs> where the, there was the monkeys, the flying monkeys, but basically they support those, there's also people that support the narcissist. So that could be the new, uh, partner that could be their, you know, family or, or friends or whoever who is believing the, the lies, the gossip, um, helping, you know, do the threats who are labeling the victim, you know, as the predator, um, and, and victim blaming. So those people are called flying monkeys. And then there's a smear campaign. So it is intentional and it's systematic, um, dissemination of deceptive information designed to undermine, discredit, and further isolate you. So they will basically be out tarnishing your character and your reputation to even after the relationship has ended to make you look bad. And you, you know, could be what's in called triangulation, where basically they have told other people lies and, and manipulated and done things to make them dislike you. But then they've also told you at one point lies about those people so that there's no finding out the truth because you both believe that things are being said about each other or there's gossip or slander. So you won't approach 
each other based on you're like, yeah, they don't like me. We'll just leave it at that. But the narcissist is in the middle and they have manipulated the situation. The narcissist paints you in a misleading and toxic light using strategies, including, but not limited to an exaggeration, um, instigation of rumors, slander, lies, you name it. So with narcissistic personality disorder, they, they, they have cognitive dissonance when it comes to caring about someone else. So by definition, Cognitive dissonance is the psychological discomfort a person feels when they hold conflicting beliefs about something at the same time. To avoid the cognitive dissonance, narcissists will go through like spectacular mental gymnastics to blame someone for any situation. For narcissists in a relationship, the people closest to them are usually the scapegoats for this problem. In the hands of narcissists, cognitive dissonance is a weapon of choice. It can keep a victim hovering in no man's land of emotional chaos indefinitely. The goal of keeping a victim in a constant state of uncertainty is to maintain power and control. Everything with a narcissist is about power and control. So most people don't know that they're in a relationship with a narcissist until they leave because you can't see it because of the gaslighting and the lies and the rumor and you've bought everything that they've told you. And it's usually when you've exited that relationship or when you've gotten some space or when you've set a boundary and said no and they're upset with you and they found a new source of supply where the smoke starts to clear, the fog starts to clear and you start to see things clearly. And whether it be through therapist or support, you realize that a lot of the things that were happening were not normal. And I recommend to anyone listening, if you have been in a relationship with a narcissist, if you realize that you have a narcissistic parent or child or boss, I recommend therapy. It can be a challenge to recover from narc abuse. And some people have actually ended up in mental institutions. And I've, I've known of many situations around me where people have gone to extreme lengths because of narc abuse and committed suicide. So it is not to be taken lightly. This is a very serious situation and I do recommend speaking with a therapist. I do recommend getting help. And it may be challenging if you open up to people around you and they don't believe you because it's quite often we hear a lot of victims won't come out about their experiences because people will say, well, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you say anything? And it's more questioning of the victim, which causes more pain. So I do recommend speaking to a professional and getting the support that you need I found on top of that, I found a lot of support and being open about it on social media because there's a community of people who have the same exact experiences that have reached out and said, oh my God, like your experience is my experience. I've had the exact same thing happen to me, sometimes from the exact same person. So it helps you to feel 
like you're not crazy. It helps validate your feelings when you find this community. Narcissistic abuse relies on self-doubt and preventing the other person from getting independent verification of the facts. The first step to overcoming these abusive tactics is to learn to believe yourself again. Do whatever it takes to fortify your belief in the facts you observe for yourself. So whether that be taking screenshots or journaling or having witnesses, it's also crucial for victims of narcissistic abuse to remain connected to their family and friends because narcs thrive in isolation. And unfortunately, during these COVID times, there have been so many situations where abuse is on the rise because you are isolated. You can't leave your home and seek the support of family and friends. So it's important to have regular FaceTime calls and interaction with your family and friends. You know, have trusted sources that are not mutual. I personally do not recommend having a mutual friend as your confidant, especially if you realize that you are in a narcissistic abusive relationship. I made the mistake of doing that once. And when it came to having to take this person to court, the mutual person who had signed legal documents basically reneged and said, I don't recall. So make sure that it's Family and friends that are your family and friends that love you and are looking out for you. And you have to make it clear that you will walk away from a bad relationship rather than stay with someone who makes you feel bad about yourself. When you exit a relationship with a narcissist, it's extremely important to go no contact because they will do, you know, what's breadcrumbing. They, you know, they will find ways to reach out to you, to contact you for little things or to make it seem like they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to change. And in some extreme cases, they will um, say that they are going to do self-harm to get your attention because narcissists are attracted to empaths and they will feed off of your heartstrings. Do not reach out to them and do not reach out to their new source of supply. I have seen very often where someone has left a toxic relationship or escaped or, you know, by the grace of God, God released them from that toxic relationship and they see that person with someone new and they're in the love bombing phase. And you may be tempted to reach out to that person. Do not. Because they have already told them that you're crazy. So you will seem like the crazy ex who is being vindictive, trying to reach out to cause trouble. So it only makes yourself look worse. The narc, like I said earlier, is mirroring that person's behavior. You never know. They may be with that person even longer. But eventually, the cycle will happen and they will see for themselves, unfortunately. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's important to get therapy. It's important to educate yourself on the narc traits so that you don't fall into that situation again. I have to thank God <laughs> that I spent the year studying their behavior and learning from other people who've experienced narc abuse because I had met someone a year ago in a business sense and thought, hey, we're just, you know, business friends. And this person confided to me almost a year later that they had feelings for me, 
I thought, wow, that's cute, but I'm focusing on my healing. And I said, we can, can be friends. You know, we can hang out. We hung out a couple times. And that person basically said to me that they've been telling people that I'm their girlfriend. And they started to proceed to do things that were complete red flags of someone with narcissistic personality disorder. And if I hadn't studied these traits, I probably would have fallen victim to yet another one. So I not only saved myself by seeing the red flags very quickly, but removing that person from my life even quicker. I recommend that you work on healing your childhood traumas because that is how we are attracting them. Because we have unhealed childhood traumas. As children, we may not have been in a situation with our caregiver where they made us feel like our feelings mattered and our needs were not met. So these narcissists come into the picture and paint us a vision of them meeting all of our needs and we fall susceptible to it. So I would recommend that you focus on healing your childhood traumas as I am doing now and setting clear boundaries. I don't want you to set boundaries so high that no one ever gets across (laughs) and put these walls up and board ourselves in from the people you know, who are trying to love us, but have clear boundaries about what you're willing to tolerate. Clear boundaries for yourself so that you don't fall prey to a narcissistic, abusive relationship. If this episode has struck a chord, if this episode has made you feel like, hmm, I might be connected to a narcissist. Do not approach that person labeling them as a narcissist because that will only enrage them and they will gaslight you because narcissists do not like to be called that. They will definitely flip the script and tell you that you are the narcissist. Pay attention, set boundaries, and if you need to, remove yourself and go no contact. I know based on the conversations that I've been having on Instagram, that there are many of you that are listening that have found yourself discovering that you have either dated a narcissist, that you have a narcissistic parent or a narcissistic child or a narcissistic boss. I would love to know how this episode resonated with you. Feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram. Feel free to send me an email but I would love to know what you are also doing to heal from this so that it doesn't happen again. To all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast, join the community of faith walkers and sign up for a weekly newsletter at a walk and be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person, maybe you have a friend that you think "Hmm, you might be connected to a narcissist. Maybe you should listen to this episode. Please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag me on Instagram at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.